0: Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. So I want to share this Word with you today, and this Word comes in a time of of great need, And, and I believe there are many in this room and many that are joining us online that you may find yourself in a season of great need. In a season of great difficulty, and a season of many challenges, and many trials, and many circumstances. Obviously, there are many that I believe are plaguing our nation today, right now, in, in the hour, and the season, and the situation that we're in. And I just believe that this is a word and a revelation from God for us today. So I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, and I want to read to you verses 7 through 19 this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19 this morning. It says this, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today... So see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original convictions firmly to the very end. As just has, been said, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Who were, were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with them was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And then I want you to go with me today to to Psalm 95. And for whoever's back there, is that Rico that's back there this morning? Awesome. Give it up for Rico. Rico, I'm going to go to Psalm 95. It's going to be at the very end of that list. Psalm 95, verse number 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture. The flock under His care. Tell your neighbor, I'm under His care. Tell your neighbor, I'm under His care. If you're at home, shout it at the top of your lungs. I'm under His care. (laughs) I'm under His care today. If you look at Psalm 95 and you look at verse, you look at verse number eight, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. <clears throat> the things that you need to understand are the translations of those words. If you look at the Word of God, the Word of God, the names that God gives, the names of places, are oftentimes representative of encounters or experiences that were had. And that first word, that first word that's there, Meribah, that, that word actually means rebellion. And Masa means the place of testing. If you take test and you look at the word test in the Hebrew in the original, in the original text from or the original transcripts, what it basically is saying is that it's an attempt to identify. And, and this is what the Lord, this is the word that God gave me for us today. For you. Here in this room, for those of you that are joining online, for those of you that may watch this in the next couple of days, this is a word that I believe that God has for you right here, right now. And the title of of this message and the word that God gave me is, this is only a test. This is only a test. Tell your neighbor, this is only a test. Tell your neighbor, this is only a test. You know, I spent so much of, of, of my, my life growing up hearing that word, hearing that phrase. Haley can attest to this. She can testify. She's a witness. We heard this time and time again. From our mom and dad, we heard this over and over from them that that in situations or circumstances of our life where we were learning a life lesson, where we were learning the importance of not just how to live and how to act and how to to respond in the world based on the world's understanding or the response of things, but as a believer, as a child of God, as someone who does not just identify with the identity of who they are as a born citizen of this world, but as a born again believer, as a citizen of God's family, as a member of the kingdom of heaven as a member of the family of God, that there are seasons and times in our life where we will walk through seasons and times of great testing. There are seasons and times of our life where we will walk through great testing. And the reason for that is not because it's God's attempt to try to determine how good you are, but it's because it's an attempt of the enemy to try to keep you from the fulfillment of God's promise and plans in your life. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The enemy is not interested in you living in the purpose and the promise of what God has established for your life. The enemy is not interested in you and I experiencing the fulfillment of God's word and the power of God's word in our lives. The enemy is not interested in you and I walking every single day as children of God with the power and the authority with the faith and the hope with the belief of knowing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he would do. Because if you become that, if I become that, if we walk in what God's word has said and promised, then the gates of hell cannot prevail against the kingdom of God because at the name of Jesus every knee has to bow and it includes the enemy so the word of God the power of God the promise of God is fulfilled according to what we believe tell your neighbor what you believe makes a difference because what happens is in the in the moment that we make our minds up of what we believe is the moment that we determine whether or not we will stand the test whether we will survive the tests, whether we will pass the test. I don't know about you, but I hate tests. I hate tests. I could hear everything I needed to hear and study everything I needed to study. But there was a level of anxiety that came over me when it came time for me to sit in that test that would cause me to second guess. Can I tell you the enemy wants you to spend your life second guessing what God has said, second guessing what God has promised, second guessing what God has done, second guessing what God has spoken. But I'm here to tell you today that when God says it, He does it. When God said it, He'll do it. And if we will believe what He said and we'll take Him at His word, what we'll find is that every single time, not sometimes, not maybe, not if, but every single time, He does exactly what He said He would do. I'm telling you here today, every single one of us, there has been a test that we have been walking through and a test that we have been experiencing. But friends, I'm here to tell you that the test doesn't last forever. The test doesn't last forever. The test is just a part of the process to the fulfillment of the promise of God and the answer to the the words of what He has said and the prayers that we have prayed and the result of our faithfulness and obedience to do what God has said. In these passages of Scripture that I just read, God's talking about the children of Israel that were delivered out of Egypt and were supposed to enter into the promised land. They were supposed to enter into the fulfillment of God's promise for His chosen people. The place that God called rest. The place that God called rest. See, the promises of God always provide rest. The promises of God always provide rest. It's why the enemy uses worry to keep us from entering into the rest that God intended because if he can keep us in a constant state of chaos, we'll never stand firm on the solid rock that Psalm 95 talks about as the anchor and the source of our response to our situation. The enemy does not want you and I to live by faith. The enemy does not want you and I to believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he would do. Because the moment that we do is the moment that things begin to change. For Joshua and Caleb, for 40 years, because they believed what God had said, because they trusted what God had declared, because they held on to the promise of what God had spoken, not only did they survive the test, not only did they survive the wilderness, but they got to experience the fulfillment of the promise. There is always the fulfillment of the promise of God at the end of the test. Some tests are longer than others. Some tests are shorter than others. Sometimes there's a mini test, and sometimes there's what seems like a lifelong test. But when we stand firm on what God has said, and we trust in His Word and the fulfillment of His promise, we position ourselves every single time to take hold of it. The writer in Hebrews chapter 3 was reminding the church, reminding us today of the importance of believing what God has said, listening to the voice of God, taking hold of the Word of God, and standing firm in what He has said, and standing firm in what He has promised. I'm convinced now more than ever that the enemy is trying to do everything that he can to distract us from listening to the voice of God and from turning our attention to His Word, because if He can keep us from the Word of God, then we'll lose sight of the promise. we we'll lose sight of the power. We'll lose sight of the breakthrough. We'll lose sight of the fulfillment of what God has purposed for our lives. And we will miss seeing the fulfillment of God's promises and the destinies that He's intended for us to experience and walk in. But I'm thankful today that the church is awakening. That the church is arising. That the church is looking forward with eyes that are wide open and ears that are ready to hear and receive the Word of God. That are looking at our present circumstances and situations and saying, I'm not settling for what I see and I'm not settling for what I hear because I know whose I am and I know what He says about me and there is none that is greater than He. I feel like preaching this morning. I just am convinced, and I have heard from the Lord that this is just a test. But the beautiful thing about a test is that the end of every test is always a testimony of the promises and the faithfulness of God. If we took just a little bit of time this morning, I think we could hear across this room testimonies of His healing, testimonies of His provision, testimonies of His protection, testimonies of Him working and moving as only He can, in the middle of our situations and our circumstances, some of us need to be reminded this morning that He's still the God that provided and He's still the God that healed and He's still the God that did everything that He said He would. Don't stop praying for your lost loved ones to be saved. Don't stop believing for your city to be transformed. Don't stop believing for your nation to experience a great revival and an outpouring of the presence of God. Stop settling for your current circumstance and Remember that He is the God who made the walls of Jericho fall. He is the God that defeated the armies of Egypt. He is the God that provided bread even in the middle of the test and protection in the middle of the storm. He is the God of the universe and there's none other like Him. And we get to walk and talk with Him every single day. I feel Jesus in this place today. There's somebody that needs to be reminded that this is just a test. That this is just a test. That this trial and this situation is just an attempt of the enemy to assassinate the plans of God. I won't settle for it. I will not become complacent with the test. But I will remain steadfast worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords and giving Him glory and praise. Connor, do you have a reason to praise? And do you have a reason to worship when you're still in the middle of the test? You better believe it because His Word is full of reminder after reminder, of promise after promise, of breakthrough after breakthrough, of fulfillment after fulfillment, of Him doing and being everything He said. He was, He is, and He will continue to be. (laughs) What do I do when I feel like the enemy is in an all-out assault, and he's doing everything that he can to assassinate the plans of God, the promises of God, and the words of God in my life? Basically, I want to answer this question this morning with a revelation from the Word of God that we just read. How do I survive the test? How do I survive the test? Too many people, too many times in the body of Christ, we have not survived the test because of the enemy's lies because of the enemy's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy, because of the enemy's attempts to try to do everything that he can to keep the church and to keep the word and the plan and the purposes of God from advancing. But every single time he fails, when there is someone who will rise up and say, no matter the test, no matter the storm, no matter the difficulty, I refuse to settle for anything less than his word. I refuse to settle for anything less than His promise. I refuse to give in and I refuse to give up because God is who He said He is. He is who He said He was. He is who He said He will be and continue from generation to generation. So whether this is the time when He fulfills the end or not, I have a hope. I have a peace. I have a joy. I have a reason to worship because even in the presence of my enemies, He prepares a table before me. Even in the middle of the tests and the storm, He continues to be my provision and my protection. I've got a reason to fight for the promise of God and to stand firm on what His Word says. I believe now more than ever that God is challenging us as the church to rise up with such a confidence, with such a boldness, that we will pray and not cease. That we will pray and press in until we have seen, until we have heard, until we have encountered what God had said. (laughs) I could preach all morning. I could preach the rest of this afternoon. But I want to share with you these revelations because I want you to walk out of here today with the confidence of heaven. I want you to walk into your day tomorrow and your day this week, each day this week, with the confidence and the assurance of knowing that despite the test, there's a testimony that God has for you on the other side. (laughs) The test doesn't last forever. The test doesn't last forever. Connor, you don't know how long I've been in my test. You don't know what my test looks like. You don't know what my struggle's like. You don't know what I'm up against. Friends, I'm here to tell you, if he made you a promise, he's faithful to fulfill it. Never give up in the middle of the test. Three things I want to share with you from this revelation in Hebrews chapter 3 and in Psalm 95 this morning. (laughs) Three things I want to share of how we can survive the test. Number one is this, listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, The problem is this, is that oftentimes the enemy will do everything that he can to keep us from listening to the voice of God. We will hear every voice, including our own. We will hear every voice and every perspective of the world on our situation. We will read every person's opinion of our situation, of our circumstance and outlook. If we're not careful, we will allow what has happened to others to be the defining outcome of what will happen to us. But the thing that we must remember is that we have to listen to the voice of God and the instructions that He's given us because when we listen to what He says and we respond in obedience to what He instructs us to do every time, not sometimes, but every time He fulfills His promise and the commitment of His Word when we follow His instructions with diligence and obedience what happens in that moment is we position ourselves to be in the middle of His provision, of His protection and the fulfillment of His promise. What happens when we lose sight of what is going on in our lives as what God has said and what His Word clearly defines is that we've stopped listening to His voice and we've started listening to our own it's easy to listen to our own voice it's easy to listen to the voices of others it's easy to listen to what everyone else is saying it's easy to see it from our own perspective and our own understanding but there's something powerful that happens when we listen to the voice of God because it's in his voice that we receive revelation that we receive inside perspective that we look at our at our current situation and circumstance and see that this isn't a setback that this isn't a failure that this is in a lack of the fulfillment of God's promise in our lives, but that it's simply been Him positioning us. It's simply been Him moving and strateg- strategically placing us exactly where He wanted us so that we could bring about the fulfillment of His plans, of coming to the point of saying, God, it's not about my will, it's not about my hopes, and it's not about my dreams, because it's no longer I who lives, but it is You who lives within me. And what I have in You, there is nothing in in this world that can even begin to compare I have a peace that surpasses all understanding a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory a hope and a promise that will never perish fall or fade because it rests in eternity with everything that Jesus has accomplished Listening to the voice of God. Remember what happened to Elijah after one of the greatest outcomes of his life. I preached this message just a few weeks ago about listening to the voice of God. But it was in that moment of Elijah had expended all that he had. One of the greatest problems that we have is that we do not rest. Is that we do not rest in his voice. That we do not rest in what he has said. That we do not rest in what He has spoken. Because it hasn't happened when we think it ought to happen. You know, it's one of the greatest signs of immaturity in our lives. As children of God. Because it's just like a child who asks their parent to do something and their parent says, wait. And they ask, and they ask, and they ask, and they ask. Sometimes I think that's how we are with the Lord. The beautiful thing about him is he never gets tired of us asking. He never grows tired of us asking. He never grows tired of us hoping. He never grows tired of us seeking. But at just the right time, he always positions us. And he always moves us To where it is that he's called us to be. Because his timing is perfect. It's why the writer in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 said, Everything is made beautiful in its time. There's a timing and a process with God that is about his schedule and his calendar and not ours. And when we rest in what he said, and we rest in what his timing is, we will have the peace that he talks about. We We will have the perspective that he's intended for us to have. Because we will realize that it's not about me. It's not about what I can do or even what I have done. But because of what Jesus has done, because of God's plan and His purpose and His promise in my life, I've been positioned to experience and encounter the fulfillment of His word in a way that the world could never understand. The voice of God brings revelation and perspective. It gives us the words that we need in order to stay focused in the midst of the battle. Following the instructions of what God has said removes the pressure off of us of trying to make it happen. We live in a world today that is driven by a pressure to make it happen because of a fear of missing out. But friends, I'm here to tell you today, when you and I listen to the voice of God, we don't have to fear missing out on anything, because we'll be right where we need to be the moment that He comes to fulfill His promise in our lives. Listening to His voice reminds us of who we are, reminds us of what He's called us to, and gives us the instructions of what He's called us to do. When we obey what He has said, we position ourselves to experience what He has promised. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. What happens in the moment of following God is a decision to not do it our way, but to do it His. When we follow what God has said, we remove ourselves from a place of rebellion and operate under a place of peace, because we follow the instructions that God has given us. The greatest thing that I believe that is plaguing the church today, now more than ever, is the spirit of offense. I talk about it on a regular basis, but it's clearly evident in the church today, and if you don't believe me, get on Facebook. And if you don't believe that, just listen to some people talk about some people that they used to go to church with. Why? Because it's an attempt of the enemy to create division and chaos in the house of God. Because if there is division in the family, if there's division in the house, then we can never walk in unity and be the body that God called us to be. The enemy uses offense to create chaos and division so that the mission and the vision and the purpose and the plan of God is stalled. God's plan and intention was for His people to walk into the promise and enter the rest that He had said. But because they refused to listen to His voice and respond in obedience, they spent 40 years of their life in the wilderness, and those that responded in rebellion died there. I've said it before, I don't want to die in the wilderness. I don't want to die just on the other side of the promise. I want to enter into the promise of God while I'm still here. I don't want to just make it to heaven, I want to experience heaven on earth. I want to be a part of the front line that walks in and watches the strongholds of the enemy fall. I want to walk in and be a part of the front lines that watches the kingdom of God invade this earth as Jesus intended intended for it to, as the church continues to illustrate and continues to function as he designed and envisioned for it to, as we see the lost saved and the sick healed and the dead raised and the bound set free. I don't want to miss out on being a part of the fulfillment of the promise of God here and now because I wanted to do it my way or wasn't happy that he hadn't already done it. Or worse, became offended at one of my brothers or sisters in Christ and robbed myself of being obedient and walking in the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that God intended me to have. If someone offends you, do what the Word says and go to them and have a conversation. Don't do it on Facebook. Don't send a text message or an email. Pick up the phone and call them. And have a conversation. Because nine times out of ten, it's because of a miscommunication. Or it's because we haven't been willing to humble ourselves and listen. Or humble ourselves and forgive. (laughs) But what we need now more than ever as the church is to be united. And to walk in the confidence and the authority that God has established for our lives. It would be no good this morning if my right leg my right arm and my right eye decided that they did not want to be a part of me. It would have been hard for me to accomplish what I've accomplished this morning, and it would be hard for me to do what I'm doing right now if those parts of my body decided they didn't want to get up out of bed. Now, I would have done whatever I could have done to still do what I needed to do, but I wouldn't be where I'm at or doing what I'm doing because I wouldn't have made it this far. It's the problem with the church (laughs) because we're trying to drag around. (laughs) Because we're trying to drag around instead of supporting one another according to what God has said. So instead of walking in what God has said, we're dragging because of what we have that's on the inside, not what is on the outside. (laughs) Jesus, help me. We cannot walk in offense towards one another. And it's important for us to walk in the forgiveness that God has established so that we can fulfill the promise and the mission of what God has said because He's called us to be one body, all functioning. Tell your neighbor, you got to function. It's not about whether or not the pastor's doing it. It's not about whether or not the deacon board or the trustees are doing it. It's not about whether or not the youth pastor and the worship pastor and the kids pastor are doing it. It's a matter of am I doing what God told me to do where God told me to do it. Because every day that I get up as a child of God, whether you are in full-time ministry, whether you think you're in full-time ministry or not, you have been commissioned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords as an ambassador of heaven. And you have been assigned instructions for what God has called you to do. Whether it's the office or the factory that you work in, the school that you teach in, the school that you attend in, whether it's the, the home that you serve in or that you lead in, whether it's the business or the job, that you have there is a reason why God has placed you where he has placed you and if you'll just do what he said to do even if you don't think that typing those reports makes a difference even if you don't think that what you're doing on that assembly line has any effect or impact on eternity or not let me tell you friends God has put you there and he's put you here and he's put you in the places that he's placed you for such a time as this because if you weren't there then there might not be the ambassador that God needs, that would have the perspective of heaven, that would listen to the voice of God and speak the love and the truth that God would have you to speak to your coworker, to your neighbor or to your friend God has put you where he's placed you for such a time as this so that when he speaks to you he knows that you'll respond in obedience and experience not only the blessing of being a part of someone else's miracle but being a part of seeing the fulfillment of his will on the earth Every single time we do, we experience the blessings of God. Listen to His voice. How do I survive the test? I listen to His voice. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the tests of all tests when they were instructed by the king and the elders of the king to bow down and worship the, the image of God of the king that had been erected and they refused according to the word of God and the instructions that God had given to bow down to any other god, to any other idol. And when they were faced with that uh, confrontation from the king, their response was, we will not bow to any other one because there is only one God. There is only one king. And in the face of their test, they listened to the voice of God. And what happened? In the middle of the fire, he met them there. Just because you're in the middle of the test or the middle of the trial does not mean that the one who came, the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave is not in the middle of the fire with you today. It's the reason why you've been unsinged. It's the reason why you still have peace. It's the reason why you still have provision. It's the reason why you still have protection. Because it's even in the middle of the battle, even in the middle of the fire, even in the midst of the storm, he's there. (laughs) Listen to his voice. He'll remind you of what he said. He'll remind you of what he's spoken. And respond in obedience to what he's declared. Secondly, how do I overcome How do I survive the test? Secondly, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Not only do we have the offense that we deal with with people, but we have the offense that we can deal with with God. One of the greatest tragedies of our lives is the moment that we begin to take offense towards God because He hasn't done or because we think He did something that He didn't. It got real quiet in here this morning. There's nothing more frustrating than feeling like when God hasn't done what we thought He ought to do when we thought He ought to do it. We get frustrated with each other when each other don't do what we think they ought to do. (laughs) When my spouse, my friend, my family member didn't do what I thought they ought to do when I thought they ought to do it. (laughs) Sometimes we want to talk to God the same way we talk to them. Listen, there's nothing wrong with getting frustrated. We get frustrated with each other and we convey that frustration. And we have two choices in that frustration. To either work through it or to become offended by it. And the same is true with God. We can either choose to trust that He is who He says He is and that He does what He says He does. And we listen to His voice and we understand what what His word says or we harden our hearts against the Lord. And in rebellion, miss out on the fulfillment of what God's plan and what his promise is for our lives. (laughs) He says, during this time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. You know, our anger and our frustration comes honestly. We're made in the image of God. <laughs> I have news for you this morning. God gets angry. You know how I know? Because you get angry. Some of you are more gentle in your anger. Some of you need help with your anger. <laughs> That's a lot amen. And our anger and our frustration... <laughs> Uh, I'm just laughing because I, <laughs> I, I know what Haley and Austin and Miss Diane are thinking. <laughs> my, my, my frustration level gets about like this in staff meeting <laughs> when I'm frustrated. We get angry. We get frustrated. It is a natural emotion for us to feel. It is a natural emotion for us to go through. When we have asked and asked and asked and asked and asked and, asked and it has not happened. When we have pleaded and pleaded and asked (laughs) and it hasn't happened in the time frame or the expectation that we had, it's a natural reaction to get angry. The word's clear. Be angry and sin not. Because what happens with our anger and our frustration, if not taken and processed before the Lord through the help of the Holy Spirit, is we begin to harden our hearts against God. And the second that you harden your heart against anyone is the moment that you stop listening to them. Not hearing them talk. You can live with someone for years and hear them, but never listen to what's actually being said from the heart. And it's the same that's true with God. We can go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday, or watch online every Sunday and every Wednesday, but if our heart has been hardened to the Lord because He has not done what we thought He should do when we thought He should do it, we begin to harden our heart and can no longer hear what God is saying. But I believe now more than ever it's important for us to check and make sure that our heart has not hardened to what He said. That we haven't lost hope in who He is. That we haven't lost confidence in what His word has declared and what His promises for our lives. And that we understand that what I'm up against is just a test and it doesn't last forever. That it's just a season. It may have been long and it may have been hard and it may have been tough, but He's still never forsaken me. He's still never forgotten about me. I'm still here, and even if my life were to end today, I spend eternity in heaven with Him because of what His Word has said and what His promise has declared. I refuse to harden my heart to the One who will still speak the truth and the revelation and the insight and the hope that I need from heaven. I don't think there's any clearer illustration or definition of one who could have, who would have a justifiable reason to have a hard heart than Job. (laughs) If you know know anything about Job, Job was a man who feared the Lord. (laughs) He was a man who faithfully served God, honored the word of God, honored the laws and the decrees of God. And the enemy came to do what the enemy does, (laughs) to test God. To test those whom God has called and those whom God has chosen. Why? Because he wants to assassinate. He wants to, he wants to assassinate the, the promise and the plan and the destiny of God that's on your life. The enemy was convinced that he could get Job to curse God and turn his back on the Lord. He was determined that he could. How many times has the enemy been determined to do that in our lives? But yet I refuse. I love what Job said in chapter 23, verses 8 through 17. Maybe you feel like Job this morning. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth. He's listened. I've treasured the words of his mouth. He's listened. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me, and many such plans he still has in store." Many such plans He still has in store. The best is yet to come. I don't have time to preach this message this morning. This is why I am terrified before Him. When I think of all this, I fear Him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced by the shadows. Yet I am not silenced by the shadows. By the thick darkness that covers my face. Why? Because he knows the way I take. And at the end of this test, at the end of this test, I will see. Even in the deepest, darkest moment of his trial and his situation, Job still believed in who God was. He refused to harden his heart against God because he knew who God was. And he knew that God knew exactly where he was and exactly what was happening in his life. See, the third thing of how I survived the test is this. Believe. Tell your neighbor, "Believe." believe. And enter his rest. Believe and enter his rest. See, what happened when Job refused to harden his heart against the Lord is that he believed who God was and he believed what God has said. And so what happened is he experienced the blessings and the favor of God on his life because not only did he survive the, the attempt of the enemy to assassinate him before God as a child of God, for him to curse God and turn on God, but not only did he remain faithful to the Lord, even in the midst of great hardship, even in the midst of great difficulty. Job didn't just have one situation. He had multiple. <laughs> Job lost all of his children. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his health. And everyone in his life, his own wife, said curse God and die. But he refused to harden his heart before the Lord. Why? Because he heard what God had said. He had listened to the voice of God. He refused to harden his heart before the Lord. He had refused to give in to what the situation and the circumstance and the outcome, and the grief, and the pain, and the trial of his storm look like. Why? Because he knows who God is and what he said. What happened? What did Job receive? Twice as many possessions, twice as many children as he had before his trial. The blessings and the favor of God on his life, his health fully restored. God will always redeem what the enemy... God will always redeem what the enemy steals. God will always redeem what the enemy steals if we'll trust him. Jesus said it in John 16, 33, In this life you will face many trials, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Why? Because he knew the enemy is an all-out assault to keep you and I from walking in the authority that God has established for us as the church, as children of God, to see the blessings and the favor and the promises of God in our lives. There will be trials and there will be storms, but he's still my anchor. He's still my hope. He's still my peace. He's still my provision. He's still the answer <laughs> to every situation, trial and storm in my life. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9 through nine says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have made, you have made to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When I believe what God has said... And I believe what He has promised. I position myself to enter into the rest that He has intended and that He has purposed for my life. The rest that God has said. The rest that God has seen. To experience the glory and the presence and the power of what Jesus has spoken. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands... Since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest... Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested. Tell your neighbor, rest. Tell your neighbor, rest. On the seventh day, God rested from all His works. And again in the passage above, He says, They shall never enter My rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This He did when a long time later He spoke through David as the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. What happens when you and I believe is that we free ourselves to enter the rest that God has established. It is the reason why you have heard pastors from all denominations, non denominations, men of God, women of God who preach the Word of God talking about the rest of God so intently over the last course, over the last course of the past several years. Because there is no substitute for us as the children of God walking in the rest that God has established for our lives. Because even in the trial, even in the test, even in the storm, even in the midst of our lives, God has called us to walk in that rest. Why? Because the only way that you can enter into that rest, the only way that you can cease from your working, the only way that you and I can cease from doing what it is that we feel that we have to do, is if we trust God. That we believe that He is who He says He is. The The way for us to survive the test is to believe what God has said and enter into His rest. Because what happens when we do is we position ourselves to experience the fulfillment of His Word and His promise, experiencing the inexpressible and glorious joy that God has, experiencing the strength that we need in order to persevere in what God has said and what God has spoken. If you're tired and exhausted, it's hard for you to listen. How many of you are asleep right now? Why? Because you you and I cannot carry out a kingdom assignment on human assets and resources. And the problem with the church is that we try to carry out kingdom assignments with human assets and resources, and you can't do it. It's the reason why we changed missions from missions to kingdom builders, because we are building His kingdom, not ours. And when you build His kingdom, you... (laughs) You're based on His resources. You and I cannot do what God has called us to do with our own resources, our own strength, our own ability. Because it is not our will. It is not our plan. It is not our dream. It is not our purpose. It is not our promise. It is His. And the moment that we realize that it's His and we take our hands off of it is the moment that we enter into the rest and the peace that passes all understanding of realizing that it is not my job to make the miracle happen. That it is not my job to make the dream come to pass. That it is not my job to make the promise become fulfilled. It is my job to listen to what he said and respond in obedience and then watch with expectation and believe that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever that He will fulfill His Word and His promise. That's how I survive the test. That's how I make it through the wilderness. That's how I survive in the middle of the fire. That's how I survive in the middle of the storm. By remembering that He is with me, that His Word is for me, that His promises are yes and amen. It's how I can rest even in the middle of the battle, that I can walk to the table that He's prepared and eat from the bread of life and drink from the well. Of his righteousness and experience the confidence and the hope, and walk in the faith of believing that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he said he would do. This is just a test, but it's not the end. This is just a test. But this is not the end. There is another part to the fulfillment of his promise in my life. And I refuse to settle for my own perspective, my own resources, my own ability. But instead I will take the word of God and begin to apply it in my life. How do I survive the test that I'm currently in? Taking hold of what his word says and watching, listening to his voice. Refusing to harden my heart, obeying the instructions that he's given me, and ultimately believing what he has said and entering into his rest. We have to believe. We have to believe. We have to believe. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you entered, endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along those with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded." You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I belong to the church of Jesus Christ, to the family of God, to the body of Christ who believe. Who believe? Who believe? This is just a test. I want you to think about your life and your situation and your circumstances right now. <laughs> how, how are you viewing it? Is it the end all be all? Are you, are, you, are you identifying this for what it is? Are you identifying this for what you're up against and what you're going through? Because if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll settle. If you're not careful, you'll become tired and weary. If you're not careful, you'll miss out on the provision that God has, the nourishment that you need. In order to stand the test, in order to stand firm on the promise, you'll miss hearing what he's saying. You'll rob yourself of the peace and the joy and the hope of what God has established. There is nothing in this life that is worth giving up the peace and the presence of God for. There's not a trial in this life. There's not a test in this life that can even begin to be so bad, so hard or so tough, that could even begin to equate to the depth of His love for my life and for yours. I get that there are tests and trials that wreak havoc on your soul. So many moments in life where it seems easier to give up, easier to give in, easier to settle. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and every fear, and every doubt, and every unimaginable storm and difficulty in your life, when you feel like your world has broken. But it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit comes in. That the love of God begins to flood. That the peace of God begins to overwhelm. And there's days where it seems like you can't even put one foot in front of the other. But it's in those moments that His peace and His joy and His love and His truth begins to remind you of who you are. And that what you have endured and the losses that you have suffered and the trials and the tests that you have walked through are nothing in comparison to the blessings and the redemption of what He has in store for your life. Because there is nothing that the enemy can take from you that God will not redeem and restore to you. And you may not see the fulfillment of that this side of eternity. (laughs) But if you will stand the test, When you step from this life into the next, you will reap the rewards that God has for you. Not only will you see, I believe, the blessings and the promises of God fulfilled this side of eternity, but there are some that you will not see until you step into the other side of heaven. It's why His Word said, it's why Jesus said what He said in Matthew 6, Don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My heart is set in eternity with Him because of what Jesus has done. (laughs) There may be some tests and there may be some trials, but even in the tests and the trials, I've seen His faithfulness. I've seen His blessings. I've seen His provision. I've seen his promises.